Before we look at our text in Acts chapter 7, I'd like you to turn to Hebrews chapter 1. You need to set a table. You need to lay out a couple of things before we get to our point. In the book of Hebrews chapter 1, we see some very important words to keep in mind. Hebrews chapter 1, we read in verse 1, God, who at sundry times, different times throughout time, and in diverse manners through different ways, whether it be visions or, or speaking to one's heart or just speaking to the soul or the spirit of one, in diverse manners, spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets. Hath in these last days, God, who at sundry times used to speak to him through the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us. Now these last days were the days from the moment Christ Jesus began his ministry on this earth till now. Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. By his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom he also made the worlds. That one, that one that this is talking about, his Son is the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, are you saying, John, that God is talking to us right now through audible words? Are we supposed to hear his voice? Folks, if you're hearing somebody speak to you that you can't see, you need to talk to somebody about that. Okay? God does not come to us and talk to us in an audible voice like you hear me talking right now. He talks to us through his word. This is his word. He tells us that. Turn over now, if you would, to the first chapter of John. John chapter 1, we're going to see very, very clearly that this is the Word of God, and He speaks to us through this Word. In the, word, in the book of John, chapter 1, our Lord inspired the Apostle to write these words. In the beginning was the Word. You don't need to turn back there, but in the beginning... God created the heaven and the earth. That's the word. That's the word of God being preached right there. God created the heaven and the earth. This is what it's talking about. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. See that? This word has always been in the heart of God. Everything that we read in these scriptures about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has been before the word was ever even written. Is before the world was ever created. It says that he has loved us with an eternal love. That means it goes back to before anything was ever made till as far as anything can ever be. It continues on. It never stops. God's love has always been for his people. His word has always been in him and about him for us for whom he has loved. It was with God and the word was God the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. 
And without him was not anything made that was made. And then over verse 14, we see that very same word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus Christ, God Almighty in the flesh, right there. The creator of everything that is. Well, you say, well, now wait a minute. God says he created everything. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are one. Three distinct persons, absolutely, but one. Christ says in his scriptures, he says, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. He says, I and my Father are one. We just saw where it declares he created everything. And the word was made flesh. It's Christ. Now, one more, if you would, just a couple of pages back to the left. Actually, only one page. Just flip over one page to the left here. You'll see yourself in Luke chapter 24. In Luke chapter 24, the Lord had been walking with a couple of disciples. He had been buried. Christ had been hung on the cross. Killed. He was dead. He gave up the ghost. His body had died. They took him and they put him in the, in the grave. Rolled the rock across the grave. The stone across the the. the the tomb. And the next morning, some folks came by and the rock was moved aside. Guards were still there. They'd been there all night. What? The rock is moved. And they looked in and there was nothing there but the clothing that Christ had been wrapped in. His burial clothing. It was nicely folded. Nicely folded there. And they're like, what happened to him? Where'd he go? And he... He had risen. God cannot die. Christ in the flesh as 100% man can die, but God cannot die. The one God in the spirit cannot die. Therefore, he arose again from the dead. When he went into that grave and he took all of our sins with him, all the ones that we committed, all the ones that we will commit till the day he takes us out of this world. Isn't that good news? Isn't that good news? I bring that, I make, this, I make that a point to say that because this message is about the good news. Just like it was last week. Just like it was Friday night. It's about the good news. He rose from the grave. He was revealing himself to certain ones. Not everybody. When Christ came back from the death, he did not reveal himself to the world. When he was in the world, preaching and teaching about the merits of his righteousness the righteousness of his people in him, everybody saw him. He walked down the street. Everybody could see him. After he arose again, only certain ones could see who he was. He only revealed himself to those for whom he loved. And these two men were walking along. They were all bummed out. They were completely bummed out because they thought this was going to be the Christ. This is going to be our Savior. But he's dead. So how can he be our savior? And he's walking along with them, and they're talking. And he tells them, he says, "What?" He tells, "Well, let's just see this in verse 25." It says, "O fools of, O fools and slow of heart to believe 
all the prophets have spoken. Did you catch that? What are the prophets? Moses and everything else all the way up until the book of Matthew. That's the prophets. Oh, fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? Everybody who talked about God talked about Christ coming to this world, dying for the sins of his people. Folks, people in the Old Testament were saved exactly how you and I were. Christ. Christ alone. Abraham, he was saved by Christ. He believed God's promises, just as you and I look back and see the promises of God now. We believe him. Abraham believed the same thing. Did he do it perfectly? Absolutely not. Neither do you or I. Neither do you or I. And then he says in verse 27, this is what I wanted to turn over here for, and beginning at Moses and all the prophets. Now here, here Christ is. He's walking along. He's talking to these two men. They're complaining about it. He says, oh, you slow, oh, you fool, slow to heart to believe. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he, our Savior, expounded. That word means explained. Think about that. The Old Testament. There's a whole lot of the Old Testament. They had the, they had the Old Testament. It was all done. It was completed. It had been done for, I think, about 400 years, something like that. It was all written. It was all complete. He expounded from the moment of Moses in the beginning, God created all the way to the end of Malachi. Walking down the road with these men, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Now this is important. I want you to understand what it is that Christ talked about when he walked this earth. Look over at verses 44 and 47. This is what Christ sent out his disciples to talk about. In verse 40, uh, 44, he writes these words. He says, And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written of the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then he opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it had behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. You see the subject that he's talking about here? You see, what was that subject? That Christ should suffer and rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. The subject we've just seen in these three sections of scripture that we looked at is all about Christ. It's all about Christ. Everything. Our Lord said in five, John chapter 5, he says these words in verse 39. He says, search the scriptures. Search the scriptures. Look through all of them, all you want. For in them you think you have eternal life. Yes, you do. You do. Eternal life is right here in the scriptures. And those words are they that which testify, confess of me, he says. John, you're making a whole lot of something here. What's going on? <laughs> I was asked this week to do something. Now, before I say that, let me just ask you this. 
Have you ever listened to a message of a preacher or read something that somebody maybe asked you to read? You picked up a book and said, oh, look at there. That's a good, interesting title. Let me read this. Let me, I'm interested. I want to read this. Let me, let me look at it. And then after you're done reading, you're sitting there wondering, is this guy preaching the gospel? Is this guy supposed to be some kind of religious guru? Did I hear, is he preaching the gospel, this guy that I'm listening to with my ears? It sounds right. It sounds like it might be right. I'm, I'm not, he's talking about words from this book. He's talking about nice things. God loves his people. He said that several times in his message. He talks about everybody being sinners and deserving damnation. Is he, is he talking about the gospel? He brings out words of the Bible. He brings out godly instructions like prayer. But something's missing. I, I don't know what, I can't quite put my finger on it. What is, what is this guy talking about up there that I can't quite put my finger on? I got it. I know what it is. The guy didn't talk about anything that gives me any hope. Everything he talked about was something I should be doing. How, how can I better myself by doing this? How can I put away that old feelings of sinfulness that I had? How can I do this? How can I do something? Oh, they mentioned the word of the love of God several times. They may even mention Christ as in I do this in the name of. But they never mention Christ. I was asked to listen to a message earlier this week from a man who calls himself a gospel preacher. And I listened to two messages just to make sure that I wasn't being judgmental. God tells us, he tells you and I, here's some instructional godliness, here's some practical godliness for you. He tells us to discern the spirits. Test them. Be the Bereans, first off. Go and check and make sure whoever is standing in the pulpit, he's talking about this God of the Scriptures. All the Scriptures. Not someone who's taken something here, like John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Not someone who just takes that and makes it whatever they want of it. i got to be honest with you folks. I just... Just about couldn't get through the second message. He's, he mentioned the name of Christ twice in the whole message. And both times it was, I did this in the name of Jesus. I did this. You tell me what hope is in that. Do you have that kind of hope? Is there hope in you in something that you do? What a false hope you have. I was given some literature. I, I'm kind of, I was really kind of hoping the person would be here today. Um, they sent me some, several pages. How to pray, the, how the prayer of life of Jesus was. And that's two pages there. Challenge of wavering faith. That's two pages there. These are each, these are each sermons. 
power of godly meditation. Godly meditation on courage. Five different, six different messages here. Guidance through godly meditation. This is by a man that if I mentioned his name, everybody here would go, I've heard of him. Some of his stuff's pretty good. I've heard of him. I've listened to several of his messages that were pretty good. This isn't worth the paper it's on. Not once in any of this is Christ mentioned. Where was the hope? Where was Christ? In your, in your handout, in your bulletin, there's a, I, I wrote an article. I, I, just, I had to send this article to a brother in Christ to say, hey, did I go overboard here? Did I, did I go out too far in this? Read with me if you would. How can one determine? First off, the title is this. What is gospel preaching? How can one determine a gospel preacher from someone who just talks? The simple answer, the simplest answer is a man sent of God will preach Christ Jesus the Lord and him crucified. That's the gospel in a nutshell. A gospel preacher cannot waste time talking about God's love, heaven and hell, and not bring out who Christ is, what he has done, and where he is right now. If you speak of God's love and leave out what he did in sending his son to die for those he loves, you have missed the good news. You have missed the gospel, and you are not a gospel preacher. Every word that came from the greatest gospel preacher that walked this earth, you know who that is? Jesus Christ. What did we just look at? Did we not just look at several verses? What was the message? Jesus Christ. Every word that came from the greatest gospel preacher to ever walk this earth was the gospel message. Christ expounded in all the scriptures the things concerning himself, as we read in Luke 24. You might ask, well, well, John, wait a minute. Wait a minute. There's so much more in the Bible. I've been asked this question. I've been approached this very statement. John, there's so much more. There's so much more in the Bible. There's so much good stuff for us to learn, for us to be taught in instructions of Christ. What about all that? Did you know that there's Christ and him crucified in every instruction God gives us in the Bible? What? What? What, is it? what did I write next? Is not one thing that my God has told me to do can I do in an acceptable way. You might think you can do something acceptable of God in your own way. Not one thing, not one instruction God has given me can I do that he would accept. Because there's sin in everything that I do. I'm full of sin throughout this body. I need something perfect to be before God. I need a Savior. That's the gospel in God's instructions to us. There are those who are going to say, John, you're encouraging people to sin just live their lives sinful. No, I'm not. I am not. Not at all. 
God's law is great. It's good. Everything about God's instructions is good. Go out and be holy for your God is holy. But don't think you can do it good enough to God for God to accept it. Because then your pride starts buffing up. See how good I am? See what I've done right? We're shaking our head yes and right because we've done that, haven't we, Polly? We know. We know. You might ask, what about all the instructions? Oh, I read that part. Back on my, uh, the rest of it here. The gospel in the instructions is, my Lord fulfilled it all. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. What is a true gospel preacher? He is one whom God has been gracious to. One who knows the experience of divine grace one who can talk nothing save Jesus Christ and his Savior. I know a man, and you know a man by the name of Gene Harmon, who preaches in his prayers. Every prayer that man does. We were sitting there, we were having pizza at his daughter's house in Tennessee one time. And we're sitting there, and I'm just saying, okay, we're going to thank the Lord for the food. Here we go. He preached the gospel in about two seconds. It was wonderful. <laughs> God help me to use that man as my example. Gospel preachers don't preach something one day and then preach the gospel the next day. Practical godliness is important. It's important for you to walk according to God's word as best you can. But that's not what saves you. Christ Jesus is who saves us. That may be foolishness to you, but to us who know the Lord of glory, we echo the words of Paul. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. That's Romans 1, verse 16. Where was the gospel in those messages? It wasn't there. It was all about what you should be doing to make your walk with God better. Folks, you know what to do. What? You do. You do. This young man sitting right here knows right from wrong. Guarantee you he does. He knows when he's doing something wrong and he knows when he's doing something right. That's practical godliness. That's a, When I came here, when the Lord put me in the position of being the pastor, you folks who were here, you'll remember, what was my words to you? I said, I'm not coming here to teach you how to walk with God. You already know. If you want help looking into God's word to see something to answer a question, I'll be happy to do that, but that's not what my job is. My job is to teach and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That's what saves God's people. That's what brings God's people out of darkness. That's what feeds God's people every time we hear it. We feast on our Savior. We feast on what He's done for us. We feast on where He is right now. It's all about Him, or it's not. It's, it's nothing. It's, it's vanity. That's what King Solomon said. Everything in the flesh is vanity. Look over at John chapter 3. 
We just uh, back over to the right this time. John chapter 3. In verse 14, we read this. After speaking with a man by the name of Nicodemus, a ruler, a leader, after speaking to him and telling him that we must be born again, the natural man cannot accept God. We must be born of water and of the Spirit. Nicodemus is uh, talked to the Lord, and he goes on, he says, Are you, Art thou a master of Israel? In verse 10, Verily I say unto thee, We speak that we do not know. We speak that we do know, and testify that we have seen. If I have told you earthly things, and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you the things of heaven? And then he says this, And no man hath ascended up into heaven, but he that cometh down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven, and as Moses lifted up. What did, here we are. We're back to that subject again. What is a gospel preacher? Was Moses a gospel preacher? Did he preach practical godliness? Absolutely he did. What does he remember for here? For raising up Christ. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Is that not the gospel? Is that not what a poor sinner needs to hear? My goodness, if you want to call it that. I don't need to tell you what I do for goodness for people. My Lord knows what I do. And if I was to tell you, all I would be doing was bragging about this flesh. But if I trust in what I do, then there's no room for me to trust in the only one I can trust in. Whatever I do in this physical body, whether it be go down and feed the homeless at the, at the uh, 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 down at the Kusuk kitchens, what, no matter what it be, whether I, whether I go down here to where the homeless camp is and, and give them some money, or whether somebody comes to the door and says, yeah, I'll help you out as much as I can, or go over and volunteer to, to help out an elderly person that may need help. Whatever the goodness is, may it be from God and not from me. May it be a glory to Him and not to me. Folks, I am bitten. I am bitten by those serpents that God sent out into the camp. This flesh of mine is going to die. The poison of it is in my blood. It reaches out to every point of my body. Every drop of my soul is plagued by my sin. I have no help or no hope in this flesh. Is there anything, anyone that I can look to? I need a Savior. Do you? I don't seek to hear about how good I am or how good I can be. That's all the religious world is all about today. They teach and preach that if you'll just do this, you can be better. If you'll stop smoking, you'll be much better. Well, that's true. But that doesn't save you. You're still going to die. You're still going to go through that door marked death at some point. 
Some of us live till we're in our 90s or 100s, some less. But you're still going to die. The poison goes from the top of our heads all the way to our feet. That's sin. We do the things that we do wrong because we are sinners. I don't want to hear from somebody who all they tell does is tell me I can be better. I listen to that. Ooh, I almost said a bad word. I listened to that stuff when I was in Amway. I thought I could sell anything. I, bought, I was able to buy a Cadillac on credit. 1962. This is 1990. So it was pretty old. So I did. I, I, my whole point to that was I never could understand what those people were talking about making myself better. I couldn't sell anything. It never helped me at all. Some people are helped quite a bit by it, you know. There's, there's a guy who gets up on stage in front of thousands. He's got like five jets. And he walks back and forth, this little thing sticking out of his ear, coming around his mouth. He says, you can do it. Come on, everybody. Get pumped up. Saturday Night Live did a oof on that. They had Arnold Schwarzenegger and, and uh, uh, Martin Short standing there. They were all muscled up. And they were, we can pump you up. That's what, that's what religion has become. You can be better. Just come down to the front of the aisle. You can be better. Get in the tub back here and get some, get wet. I don't need to hear that. I need to hear about somebody who's done it perfectly for me. Somebody who's already accomplished a righteousness that I can't have in my flesh. Somebody who has loved me so much that he would give himself. He would die for me. Do you know there is one who died for his people? Are you one of his people? Do you belong to him? There ought to be a smile on everybody's face who belong to him right now. Yes, I do. And he died for me too, John. Paul wrote this. A man that God inspired to write all these books in the Old Testament, in the New Testament. More books than any other writer. He said to the Romans in chapter 7, verse 18, he says, For I know that in me, in him, right then and there, when you pin those words down on paper, he says, I know that in me, there is, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. In this flesh I carry the mark of the beast. You know what that is? 666. Is it tattooed on you somewhere, John? No. You know what the mark of the beast is? 666? God the Father. Perfect. Number seven. That's the number seven is a, is a symbol for perfection. God created the earth in seven days. There were seven days in a week. The number seven is perfection. God the Father, seven. God the Son, seven. God the Spirit, seven. John Reeves, six, 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 short of glory. No matter how good I can act in the flesh, I'm always going to come up short. 
because I'm not perfect like my God is. 666 is the number short of perfection. Anything I do in the flesh will be short of his perfection. And folks, God requires perfection. A gospel preacher speaks of the only perfection that ever walked this earth. And who is that? Jesus Christ the Lord. The Son of the living God. You see, folks, the gospel is Jesus Christ. Christ sent his Son to be our propitiation, our payment. If he gave his only begotten son for our cause, how shall he not give us everything else? Everything. Our God requires perfection, and a gospel preacher speaks of the only perfection that ever walked this earth, his son, the living God. Consider with me, if you would, this example. Turn over to Luke chapter 4 for just a moment. Back again to Luke, and in, in this time chapter 4. Consider with me the example here. It will only be another moment. Over in Luke chapter 4, look at verses 16 through 21, if you would, with me. In verse 16 of Luke chapter 4, we read, And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was. Did you catch that? As his custom was. That means he did it on a regular basis. There was a certain time, a certain time, every time that Christ would do this one thing whenever it was appropriate. Whenever they were gathering in the uh, synagogue, it was time Christ would come according to his custom was. He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him a book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, and listen to the words that we read in Isaiah 53. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, on Christ. The Spirit of God is upon him, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. He then closed the book and he gave it again unto the minister and he sat down and all the eyes, the eyes of all of them that were in the synagogue, were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day, that very day, that very day that our Lord read those words, he says, Right now, this day, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. Christ preached Christ right there. Now if you would turn back to Acts chapter 17. Allow me to make my title and a couple of closing comments. Christ preached himself in fulfilling the words of Moses. <clears throat> fulfilling the words of Moses and all the prophets. Everything in God's word points to him and God's messengers, gospel preachers, do the same. Not once, but every single time. You're not going to hear, I pray, Lord willing, anything from me. 
23 years I sat in, or 20 years I sat under the ministry of Gene Harmon, not once did I hear anything else. It was always Christ and Him crucified. That's what fed the soul of this sinner. That's what kept, by the power of God, the soul of this dead sinner. Look here with me at Acts chapter 17. Paul writes, Now when they had passed through Amphibolus, and, and I don't, I know I don't mention, I don't pronounce these names right, Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where was the synagogue of the Jews, and Paul, as his manner was, that's the same word, it means exactly the same thing. It's actually, I'm sorry, I said that incorrectly. It's not the same word. It's a different word, but it has the exact same meaning. As his manner was. What was his manner? To come into the synagogue. But look, it goes on to tell us that was, as his manner was, he went in unto them, and the three, and three Sabbath days, three Sabbath days reasoned, conversed, discussed, with them out of the scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus, whom I preach unto you, is the Messiah, the Christ, the Savior. Paul went in, and what was his manner? To preach Christ. I wish to know nothing of you, save Christ and Him crucified. The gospel message is the power of God unto salvation. It's the message that keeps us. It's the, actually, I should, actually, it's the message that calls us. It's the message that keeps us. Look back at chapter 16 on the page right beside you there. Look at verses 25 through 32. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed. And they sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great multitude, or suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, now you've got to remember something, back in those days, you know, over here in Folsom, these guys ain't got to worry about it. But back in those days, if somebody got out, if you lost one of your prisoners, you died. You usually lost your head. They didn't lose prisoners back in those days. That's all there was to it. Maybe one guy did, but it only took one's head to roll down the, the plank before everybody else like, no, I'm not going to lose anybody. No. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried out, he cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then verse 29, Then he called for a light, and he sprang in, and came trembling, and fell down before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out, and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And they said, Believe, or he said, Believe in thy house. And then here, look at verse 32, And they spake unto him, the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. They spake the word of the Lord. As his manner was is the, tip, is the, is the uh, uh, title for this message. As his manner was. The gospel is what God uses to save his chosen people. The gospel is what the Spirit uses to reveal who Christ Jesus is. 
In the gospel, you must bring out that Christ is God in the flesh. 100% flesh, 100% Savior, 100% God, divine, divine God. It's the gospel that God uses to express what his son has done. He went to the cross. He shed his blood, the perfect blood of Christ, to save his people. Not that they might be saved, but that they will be saved. The gospel is what God uses to tell us where he is right now. Death could not hold him. He's God Almighty in the flesh. He arose himself from the dead, and God has him sitting at the right hand right now, the right hand of all power, all power in heaven, in earth, and under the earth belong to our Savior. With all the power in heaven and earth, can, we, can God lose anything that he's died for? If he died for you, he will not lose you. That gives this poor sinner a whole lot of peace. Because it doesn't take me long to get outside that door and mess it up again. That's why I got no confidence in the flesh. That's why I don't need to hear about somebody who can tell me what to do. I need to be here about the one who has done it. Is practical godliness important? Absolutely. Don't get me wrong. Don't be like those who say, John, you're, you're teaching there is no law. You can go out and do whatever you want. That is not true. If you believe that, if you think that, then you don't have any idea what the grace of God is. The grace of God is that he first loved me, and because of that, I love him and want to do his will. We come together to search God's word for instruction every Friday night. We come again at 10 o'clock on Sunday morning. Is prep... Yet practical godliness alone is one thing. If all this guy does is talk about what you can do, if you just do this, he's only talking about your works. That's not gospel preaching. Without the gospel, then all it is is man's works. There is no satisfaction in my walk with God. Satisfaction with God is only in my substitute, Christ Jesus the Lord. Listen to the words of Matthew chapter 17, verse 5. While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. Christ and his couple of his disciples were on the Mount of Transfiguration. They saw the glory of God in the transformation of Christ. He shined. The light of his glory shined forth. They wanted to make a, a Moses and Elijah were there. And they wanted to make three tributes, three. They wanted to build three altars to commemorate the three of them. And then all of a sudden, Moses and Elijah were gone. And all there was was Christ and a cloud over his head. Listen to the words of God that came from the sky. Behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This, speaking to the one who stood right before them, the only one left, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. Amen. I pray the Lord bless you all with that.